Hello, everyone, and welcome to Putting Down Roots. My name is Michelle Frederick. I'm co-hosting today with Phoenix Trent, and we're excited to welcome you to Putting Down Roots, a new program highlighting creative individuals and organizations bringing something unique to Mendocino County through the arts, environmental practices, education, and beyond. Hi there, this is Phoenix Trent. Last month we discussed Latinx leadership with Rosanne Ibarra of the Mendocino Latinx Alliance and Adventist Health. Laura Welter of the Latino Coalition of Fort Bragg, Javier Chavez of the South Coast Coalition, and Jacqueline Orozco. If you missed the episode, you can go to kzyx.org, that's kzyx.org, uh, navigate to the jukebox page, and search for Putting Down Roots to find our episodes from November 5th at 3 p.m., as well as other past episodes. You can also find past episodes on Spotify by searching KZYX Public Affairs. And we have an exciting show for you today. We're going to be talking about the performing arts in Mendocino County. Our guests today are Kara Starkweather of Mendocino Dance Project and Doug Nunn of Hit and Run Theater. So we're going to jump right into things here. We're going to start with our first guest, Doug Nunn, again from Hit and Run Theater. Doug, thank you so much for joining the show with us today. We're so excited to, excited to talk with you. Uh, thanks a bunch, Phoenix and Michelle. I'm glad to be on, and I'm glad to be on KZYX, of which I have been a member since the beginning. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so we're going to start off, Doug, which we ask all of our um, all of our guests. How you, could you give us some background on how you came to be in Mendocino County? Yeah, it's a, a kind of a quirky story. Um, I was, uh, in the late 70s, um, I had an old friend who I had played high school football with and knew for years, Steve Scudder, who is now one of the owners of Round Man Smokehouse in Fort Bragg. He was a cook at the Seagull, which was a big restaurant watering hole in Mendocino uh, throughout the 70s into the 80s and so forth. Steve Scudder, um, I had just finished getting my teaching credential at San Francisco State, had no job prospects. And Scudder says, hey, Nun, you want to come on up and work as a backup cook? And I had worked as a cook in San Francisco to pay my way through the last couple years of school. And so I came up, got a job, and uh, was working at the Seagull. Next thing you know, Scudder and I and a couple of other friends went in on a land deal and bought five and a half acres in Albion. And I ended up staying in Mendocino. That was the winter of 1977 when we actually bought land together in Albion. Wow, that's so I ended very up, interesting. Yeah, I ended up being here ever since then, on and off. I've been out of the area a lot, but we've always had that as a sort of go-to place. <clears throat> you were kind of at the tail end of the, the back-to-the-land movement here in Mendocino County, right? Yes. In fact, it was kind of classic. You know, I, I joke with myself often. You know, I, I rarely come up with an original idea, but I'm a great follower. So there was lots of older hippies that I decided, man, that would be cool to do that back to the land stuff, you know, listening to Young Bloods and Grateful Dead songs and all that kind of stuff. So when we bought the five and a half acres uh, in the late 70s, we basically bought, built four different houses, put a central garden in and that kind of thing, shared a well and that kind of stuff. And we've actually maintained our little communal land arrangements ever since which is kind of amazing because most communes break up over time. Mm 
That's really interesting. And how did you end up getting involved with uh, theater and improv? Well, a couple of years after I got here, um, uh, say '79, I uh, was was I did a couple of shows with um, Mendocino Theater Company at the time. They were called Mendocino Performing Arts Company, and um, uh, I was also writing skits. I was one of those guys who probably, oh boy, I'd love to write some stuff uh, and uh, you know get it on. And we got some stuff on the radio and stuff in the summer of '79. What was to become Hit and Run Theater had just done a show called Happy Birthday Mendocino, which celebrated 128 years of Mendocino at the time. And um, so they then finished the show, and they were, uh, you know, the, the number of people went their separate ways, and they were looking for people to write skits and so forth. And so I started working out with them in the fall of 79, and we decided to do a Christmas show uh, together, which would be a skit-based show. Sort of um, our um, big inspirations were like Saturday Night Live and Monty Python and stuff like that. So we wrote a bunch of skits, and we had a really good, on, really fun ensemble with a lot of musicians in it and so forth. And we put out a show called Tis the Season uh, in the uh, December of 1979. And after that, we, we had so much fun goofing off with each other that we continued doing shows over the next uh, six years or so. We turned out a variety of uh, written pieces, a lot of skit shows, sketch shows where we did a variety of, you know, one sketch after another or songs in between. And we also then started to write a couple of full-length musicals. We wrote one which was based on the um, Sid Vicious-type story. It was about a, a band in London. It was called the Arnold Vicious Punk Opera. And it mirrored uh, both a band in London and a band of girl singers in uh, uh, in Queens, in New York. And it, it followed their careers. And we did a follow-up to that, uh, which we toured with, called Rockalypse. Um, and we toured all over Northern California with that. We played in San Francisco and Berkeley and the like. And then we also started doing improvisation in 1980-81. We uh, started going to workshops in San Francisco and started doing improv shows, too. So for the next five or six years, Hit and Run Theater mixed improv shows with written shows. And um, we did that for a number of years and had a pretty solid core ensemble and by the mid-'80s, people started, you know, go, wanting to go separate ways and so forth. So we've kept a small core since then, um, and we've done different stuff and come back and forth to hit-and-run theater. Um, but these days, we do mostly do improvisation, uh, improvisational theater. We've managed to keep it up during the COVID time by doing uh, Zoom shows. Yeah, I've actually seen some of your Zoom shows, and it's really impressive that you guys have been able to keep it going and that you've had to see how it's developed over the years. And you were actually living in the U.K., or you were teaching classes in Europe and the U.K., is that correct? Yes, actually, um, I, uh, in um, uh, early 1985, myself and my uh, girlfriend at the time, broke off into a double act. We were called Burns and Nunn. That was Tracy Burns, my old comedy partner and girlfriend, and myself, Doug Nunn. And uh, we started uh, touring as a double act. 
And we decided on a lark just to move to England. We had uh, saved up some money because they had a really great cabaret scene. And we thought that we might be able to both get work and to, to learn a lot. So early in the spring of 85, we moved there and we went to tons of workshops and we started doing tryouts. And um, we then connected with a bunch of people. And between 1985 and 90, we would go back and forth between Northern California and Britain, and then we started touring on the continent, too. So um, for about, of those, say, five years, we probably spent about three of them in Britain and in, um, we toured in Germany a lot, and Denmark, and Holland. Um, it was a great. It was a great time and totally international. I have met lots of people over the years who have worked in theater over there, and um, you know what an experience uh, over time to have so many uh, people around the world who you know do improv and or sketch comedy. Um, so I did work in the UK a lot, and in fact, I was. Uh, artistic director of Theater Sports UK between 89 and 90. And what Theater Sports is, it's kind of like team improv. And you have one team, it would be like uh, Michelle Phoenix and Doug against three or four other people. And one team does a scene, and then the other team does a scene, and the audience judges which they like more. It's a pseudo-competitive theater, you might say. (laughs) And so have you adapted any of that into hit-and-run theater? Yeah, um, we uh, we actually did some theater sports for a while, uh, probably 12, 14 years ago. We did it for a couple of years, but we mostly do uh, these days, in fact, for a number of years, uh, classic improv shows where we'll get a suggestion from the audience and then incorporate that into either a game or a scene or, a, you know, a song. And uh, we usually have a musician. We have had a couple of musicians over the last, say, 15 years who have come up. We um, come up from San Francisco and work out with us, and then they do shows. These are really good um, improv musicians. They make up songs right on the spot. Like you say, for example, can I have a first name, Phoenix? Can I have a last name, Michelle? Ladies and gentlemen, the Phoenix Michelle song. And then the the uh, <laughs> piano player will start playing something, and then you have to jump in and sing a song. So um, that aspect of improv theater is, you know, really thrilling, but also a lot of fun. It really puts you on the spot and makes you work. We've had um, two consistent players come up from San Francisco, Joshua Raul Brody, who has been working with Bay Area Theater Sports and a multiple, uh, a lot of other groups, including Robin Williams, he used to work with, and another uh, woman, a woman named Laura Derry, who is also with Bay Area Theater Sports. So they've done a lot of um, uh, working with us and doing. Um, uh, you know, supporting our shows and so on. So there's usually an ensemble of maybe seven, eight or so, seven or eight people plus a uh, musician. That's really fascinating. And it's so cool that you bring all this international experience and also um, performing artists from out of the region to our really remote part of Northern California. It's like, it's so incredible that you can connect, connect people with so much fun and creativity. Um, yeah. So how we've been yeah. lucky that way. I mean, you know, I, I just to add to sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but just no, to absolutely. add to um we've had a lot of people come up I, I worked in Los Angeles for a couple of years too, and there's a great company down there 
which is called Los Angeles Theater Sports, which became a group called Impro Theater. And um, they came up for a number of years, and we I did a uh, or produced a show called the Mendocino Comedy Festival, and we would have you know a lot of acts come up from Los Angeles or San Francisco. We would open for them, and that gave us that experience of being able to work with some really good groups and see some really uh, great players. That's so awesome. Um, so, you know, we've all been living with this COVID reality and I've had to adapt and it. You mentioned that you've been doing Zoom, um, Zoom shows. Um, how else has Hit and Run Theater adapted to the current times, continued to, uh, you know, serve the community and offer performances? Have you, um, and kind of what do you have planned for the future? How do you plan to adapt that? Okay. Um, we started, uh, you know, the Zoom, as, as well you know, <laughs> the COVID thing kind of hit like a ton of bricks. And yeah. um, uh, last March, I had just done uh, the um, Mendocino High School Improv uh, uh, group, which I have every year. In fact, I'm trying to do Zoom. When I leave you today, I will be Zooming with them on, on a Zoom improv practice. Anyway, we had just done that show in February, and I was away for a couple of weeks, and I came back, I think it was on March 13th, and it was like the next day, everything closed. Hit and Run Theater at the time was booked to do shows in May, and we were going to do workshops leading up to that. We, over the years, have done lots of community workshops, which is still an ongoing thing. In fact, I'll mention that at the end in terms of stuff that we still do. But um, So we had to figure out what are we going to do for this May show? Will we be able to do it? And so forth. And I knew that uh, Bay Area Theater Sports and some other groups, Los Angeles Theater Sports and, and other groups had been trying to do um, uh, Zoom shows. And I had watched some of them, and, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, it does leave something to be desired, um, you know, that you're watching these little squares on a computer screen, and you miss, you really miss being live and being able to be on stage. But you got to deal with what you got. And so um, I studied some of the other groups, and I talked to a friend down in San Francisco at Bay Area Theater Sports, a guy by the name of William Hall, who's also been involved with, with BATS, and also a group called the Bologna Brothers, which is a longtime clowning group. And uh, William said, listen, watch some of our shows, have some questions, and see what we can do. And so I watched some shows, and then I thought, okay, we can maybe work this out. And William brilliantly coached a couple of our practices. Hello? Yeah. We can hear you. Do we lose Doug? Oh, looks like looks like we might have lost Doug there. So let's just let's just continue on. It was really interesting to hear. Um, you know, Doug brings such incredible experience to our region. He also does climate reality talks. So he presents to different groups. Um, I actually saw one of his presentations at a Democratic club meeting before COVID. He talks about the realities of climate change and how we really, the actions and the steps that we need to take to move forward. And what I really appreciated about those talks is, number one, that they're incredibly engaging. You go through the range of emotions from happy to sad to excited to hopeful. Um, and also educational. And you really learn what we can do right now to make the change that we need to to save this world. So that's another really incredible part about, about Doug. Um, 
you bring so much personality and life to this region. So we're so grateful to we were so grateful to have him on the show. And hopefully we can have him on a future show where we talk specifically about the environment and climate change. Yeah, and to learn more about Hit and Run Theater and also Doug and his climate change talks, you can visit his website, which is www.dougnun.com. And if he is able to get back on the line with us, we will chat with him. Um, but in the meantime, um, we will... Is he back on? <laughs> oh, yeah, got I'm Doug back. Back. you need me? Uh, I'm, ready to, Hi, I'm ready to talk for hey. a few more minutes. Um, you, can you hear me okay, uh, Michelle and Phoenix? Yeah. We were just telling okay. the audience and listeners about your climate reality talks and how they're so incredibly okay. engaging and exciting and, and um, informative but, and also hopeful and really shows people okay. what we need to do to make change. I will, let me just finish talking about the Zoom talks and I'll transition into that for yeah. a few minutes for you. Um, so we, we knew that we had to try something for May, so we managed to put together a Zoom performance and had Joshua, our musician from San Francisco. It's really hard to sync the music, but he played a, a sort of around the edges of the show, and we decided to give it a go every six weeks or so. So we did a show in May, we did one in June, we did it at the beginning of August, we did one in September, and then we did one just before Thanksgiving. And so these Zoom shows are about 70 minutes long, and we take audience suggestions, and then we do improv Zoom scenes, scene work in front of the audience. We're planning on hopefully doing some more of those starting in the spring, probably uh, March, April. Uh, tentative time might be around April Fool's Day. Uh, Hit and Run Theater should return um, and do some Zoom theater. Wonderful. And then in in um, in normal times before you were having to do things on Zoom, were you also giving workshops um, in addition yes. to the improv classes? Yes. In fact, let me say uh, we were doing improv workshops and have usually done two different ones, one in the spring and one in the fall. Uh, of four weeks or to six weeks in a row where we meet one night a week and community people come. It's a lot of fun with a little luck. And if uh, COVID recedes a little bit, we would start doing that again. We would start doing that again in um, uh, maybe spring, maybe late spring, maybe early fall. And just to mention the uh, climate talks that uh, Phoenix uh, brought up, um, I've been um, doing those for um, since 2018. Um, I had been a part of a, the School of Natural Resources, the Sonar program, at Mendocino High School for a number of years, and I was really into environmental, environmental, um, basically, everything I could do. And in 2018, I saw Al Gore's movie, An Inconvenient Sequel. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but it's a follow-up to An Inconvenient Truth. And uh, at the end of the movie, if you watch the credits roll, uh, he says, do you want to become a member of uh, the Climate Reality Project? You, too, can make a difference. It's one of those kind of things. And um, so I thought, yeah, I really want to do that. So I signed up for and got accepted into the program and went down to L.A. in August of 2018 and um, did a uh, training. Where they'd have a four-day, this giant thing, Al Gore's there, and, you know, they have, it was literally 2,000 people. And I came home and I started calling up schools and say, I want to do this talk. 
and um, I had been a teacher at Mendocino School District, and so I got work in, um, got work, excuse me, I did presentations in the Mendocino School District and then started doing community groups. I talked to a variety of city councils, talked to the Fort Bragg City Council, Ukiah City Council, Willett City Council, and then I did the Mendocino uh, Board of Soups in um, March of 2019, and um, I basically, you know, knocked on doors, and I I would do uh, presentations for six or eight people, and I would do presentations for a hundred people. And so the goal was to get the word out there and to try to, you know, um, take a dent out of denialism, make people face the realities and so forth. And uh, I also like putting together slideshows. It's kind of fun. <laughs> so. Those are some of the things I've been doing with the climate thing. I am hoping to do some more of those coming up. Um, I would like to, um, you're thinking about, I was mentioning this to Phoenix the other day, thinking about doing a, um, a drawdown slideshow, talk about technologies of the coming years where we can start to pull back our carbon footprint and so forth. Yeah, and I know we would love to have you on in the future, Doug, to to do an episode on climate change and have you talk more about that. I would be delighted. I, you know what? You can't shut me up on the subject. It's one of those things. I'm a totally dedicated guy when it comes to trying to make a difference in that level. Um, so gladly, I would gladly come back. And I'm so glad you're put, doing the show, uh, putting down roots. Um, I got to get off in a second here, but I just want to say I think it's a great show. I love seeing all the new people who are coming into the county and uh, becoming part of the community. And, um, it, you know, I'm 68 years old. Like I said, I was you know, a time hippie and stuff like that. I'm totally into people taking over the movement and moving it forward. So thanks for the work you're doing. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're looking forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, and have a great okay, class. <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, good luck. And um, I'll talk to you sometime soon. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Bye, Doug. Bye. Bye, bye Michelle. Bye, Phoenix. Bye. So if you'd like to learn more about Doug's work, you can go to DougNunn.com. That's D-O-U-G. N-U-N-N.com. For folks who are joining us now, you're listening to Putting Down Roots on KZYX, and we're talking about the performing arts here in Mendocino County uh, with our guests Doug Nunn of Hit and Run Theater and Kara Starkweather of Mendocino Dance Project. Yeah, and now we're going to continue the conversation with Kara Starkweather, as Phoenix said, of the Mendocino Dance Project. Hi, Kara. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Phoenix. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. And so uh, we're going to get started just as we did with Doug and ask you how you came to be in Mendocino County. Um, let's see. Well, back uh, was in 2001, I guess. So probably like 19, 20 years, 20 years ago. Um, I was living in Berkeley and kind of exploring the Bay Area dance scene. And my boyfriend at the time, which is now my husband, was um, living up here and had brought, bought land here. And um, I had a surprise pregnancy. And <laughs> so 
we, um, I moved up here and joined him and, um, and I've been here ever since. And, um, we lived right on the Navarro river and now have two lovely daughters and, um, we had a, an organic farm there for quite some time down on the river. And, um, yeah, that's how I came up here. So you came and didn't look back. <laughs> no. And to be quite honest, there's been, um, many conversations over the years of, um, moving closer to the Bay area, you know, primarily for me and dance, um, and, you know, up until, I don't know, probably about four or five years ago, we really um, decided that this was home. We looked around at moving to Sebastopol or maybe even moving somewhere in Marin um, and really couldn't, couldn't see ourselves leaving Mendocino County. And um, I feel like once I really decided that on my own, I've really... Um, become a lot happier here with what I'm pursuing artistically and yeah it's wonderful really putting down the roots and yeah it's and when you when you decide like this is where I want to be this is where I want to spend my time and really invest everything just unfolds we have such a we live in such a special part of the world it's a few hours from San Francisco um you know we have the ocean we have the redwoods so many incredible creative people we've had so much fun learning about there's all the different elements of our county. Um, so what inspired you to start Mendocino Dance Project? How did you, how did, you um, did you start um, just dancing in the area and then eventually start the dance project or did that come first or what's the story there? Yeah, I mean, I, so as I said, we were living pretty isolated out on the Navarro River and um, I just, you know, I looked around for, some dance opportunities and really just couldn't quite find, I guess, what I was looking for. Um, I, I dabbled in some other styles of dance. I got pretty into West African dance for a while and really enjoyed that community um, in art form and um, also ended up connecting with Flint Creek Circus at some point and have um, worked with them on and off over the years and have a great relationship um, with them. And I just kind of kept dancing. I just, it was some, it was not a question of whether, um, I was going to dance or not dance. I just rented a studio and started kind of dancing on my own and would find a dance partner, um, for a time. And eventually that person, and we developed some work together and it seems like over time, like that person would move on and move out of the county. And then I was kind of alone again. And, um, and then I'd find somebody else that was interested in dance and we'd start working together. So over the course of probably like the first 10 years I lived here, I really kind of would develop a lot of duet work and just have this one, you know, one dancer and myself, um, and we'd make pieces, kind of short pieces, and any opportunity we had to perform, we would. Um, whether it was at the Anderson Valley Grange at the variety show, or um, you know, often we'd be a guest in the spring dance concert. Um, so, I think it was in two thousand five. 
I um, did a performance at the Matheson Theater, and the show was actually called Mendocino Dance Project, and it was kind of a cabaret show, and I, I had, I think, three or four pieces that I had, you know, had prepared for this show, and um, so I invited some other local dance groups in the area um, to participate, and um, it was great opportunity I created an opportunity for uh, performance to happen so that felt good and um, and then you know I just kind of kept doing what I was doing um, you know with people here and there and then I think it was in 2014 I um, was teaching and I taught on and off depending on the how many students would show up to class and I just had kind of a solid group of people that kept coming to class and they were all quite good and they were, you know, lovely people to work with. And after teaching for six months and they showed up every week, I said like, Hey, let's, let's make, you know, let's put on a show. Let's make a longer piece. And, um, and I'd say that's when I got a lot more serious about, you know, having a company and it was not really, um, something I was, you know, aspiring to do was be a director or have a dance company. So it kind of just started, it just kind of evolved into that. <laughs> um, definitely learned living here that if you, you know, sometimes you just really have to create what you want. And, um, if you're committed enough and stick with it long enough, people, will come and um, hopefully join you. And that's kind of what happened in my situation. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think it's really important what you said about, you know, if you see that there's a need for something that you're really interested to, to go out and, and create it. And it's a big contrast to coming from San Francisco where there's, you know, a lot of dance companies or probably a lot happening and then to come here and, and decide to do it on your own is, is really impressive and um, also a great addition to, to Mendocino County. So thank you for doing that. And I know that when you were in, you had started working with a group in San Francisco um, called Bandaloop. Can you explain to us a little bit about what Bandalooping is? Yeah, so back in, um, there was a time, I guess, I think it was 2000. 12, I got a little antsy <laughs> and just felt like I needed, um, I needed to dance more seriously. So I started commuting down to the Bay area. Uh, I went for about a year, every single week I would go down and luckily my mother-in-law lives there and I stay a night and I would dance when I got there until the moment I left. And, um, someone up here actually, um, someone who would take classes on from time to time with me had mentioned Bandaloop and said, Oh, this is right up your alley. You would love this company. You should absolutely, you know, go check them out. And so I took a workshop with them and fell instantly in love with the work. Um, and it's basically the company has been around for a long time. They, um, were started, I think, back in the 90s. Their founder, Amelia Rudolph, was a climber and a dancer and just was climbing one day and kind of got this idea of like, hey, what if this was my dance floor? And 
the side of this mountain. So that's kind of where the company originated from. Um, and all the, you know, most of the work, they dance in theaters, but most of the work is outdoors on buildings or um, in nature. Um, and it's vertical dance. So it's, you're suspended usually up, you know, off of a rock or a mountain or a building um, in a harness, in a climbing harness. So um, it's very just different and um, exciting and <laughs> thrilling and um, a little bit scary. <laughs> There's, there's been times that it's been scary. I, I've been, I was just thinking about how long I've been working with the company and it's been about nine years now. Um, and I've been so fortunate to be a part of it. It's not only a really, um, wonderful dance form, but it's just very wonder, you know, wonderful group of people to be involved with. Um, and, so, yeah, I've traveled all over the world with them. I've been to China several times. I've been to Turkey and Mexico and Canada and uh, Africa and um, all over the place. So it's an interesting experience going from dancing sometimes for, you know, thousands and thousands of people um, at like a huge stadium Um in you know for bandaloop and then bring coming back and dancing here for in a theater that seats 85 people you know it's much more intimate experience so i have this really large experience on one scale and then this very small experience on the other scale and um and let's see what else can i say about bandaloop can you talk a little bit about how it inspired dance in the red dance the redwoods yeah, absolutely. I, um, a couple years ago, decided that after working with the company long enough, I also teach with them a lot. So I've done a lot of teaching with their workshops and classes. Um, and I decided to rig my trees. So I put some ropes in the trees up here in my redwood trees on my property and started training some of my dancers and playing, you know, basically just playing in the trees and teaching them, you know, um, what I know and what I've learned. And, and then from there, it's kind of expanded to having workshops. Um, I've had a few hosted a few workshops here on my property and, um, and classes in the, in the redwoods. Um, and then I think to 2019, we had a fundraiser show. We partners, partnered with Flockworks of Mendocino um, and had a Dancing the Redwoods um, event, a fundraiser event. And I would say it was wildly successful. People just really loved it, um, loved the, you know, magical forest and having dancers suspended in the trees and um so yeah so we've been you know it's something that I feel like I was able to bring to Mendocino County and I'm hoping that it I can grow that here and um you know it's such a it's such a beautiful place that we live and the redwoods are such a unique part to northern California that and they're just the perfect 
trees to dance on because they're so massive and tall and um and so yeah i'm hoping that it can is something that i can kind of further develop and would love to see it as like oh this mendocino becomes known for you know dancing on the trees as one of its highlights in the arts that's so cool and i saw photos of your event um that with the flockworks that your dance the redwoods event and it looked truly magical um it's such a unique thing I've never heard of dancing, dancing on the redwoods or dancing with trees. And it's so cool that you've been able to take your work from San Francisco and around the world and bring it, bring it here to Mendocino County. Um, can you tell us a little bit, of, little bit about, I know the Mendocino Dance Project, you work with local schools through the Arts Council, right? Can you tell us about, about that program? Yeah, so we for several years, we've been teaching dance in the schools um, with the help of the Get Arts in the Schools program through the Arts Council of Mendocino. Um, and we've primarily taught elementary um, and middle school ages. And um, we do kind of a creative-based dance class. So it's, you know, not your typical um, teaching counts and steps and stuff like that. It's a lot more focused on um, people just being, you know, the kids being able to be creative in their own bodies and um, seeing what they come up with and um, just believe that, you know, everyone, it's amazing to see some of the kids in the beginning that don't think they can dance and have literally just, you know, been putting their shoes back on like, wow, I didn't, you know, I didn't know I could dance, like, <laughs> um and just that it's accessible to everybody. And so we try, we try really hard to make our classes, you know, I call them actually creative movement for the kids um, because it's really not like a traditional dance class. Um, so, you know, each week they'll have kind of creative projects where they make things up and then we kind of compile them all together and it becomes a dance. Um, and they don't even realize that that's what they're doing until they're watching each other with music. And um, yeah, so that's been great. We've been doing that for several years. Um, obviously this year has been different. <laughs> uh, we've, we've missed the kids this year um, and have not been in the classrooms, obviously. But you guys have adapted in other ways by creating online videos. Yeah, we were able to finish when um, the pandemic hit and the school shut down in March. We were kind of in the middle of our grant program and we decided to, um, instead of just, you know, quitting in the middle, um, we decided that we'd try and do some online videos. Um, and the one thing that was cool about it is that, you know, we were working just at one school uh, with first and second graders. And instead of just those kids receiving the videos, we were able to share them with all the schools in the county. So um, it was a lot more accessible and available um, because it was online. That's so cool. And hopefully when, when, when we can do more in-person things, you'll be able to resume programming with local schools. I think it's so important. The first thing that's cut um, in schools is the arts and movement and, and the performing arts. Um, the kids really need that. Like, it feeds the soul. Like, you can't just, the core curriculum is important and definitely necessary for kids to learn, but it's also important to 
experience the magic of creativity and of art. And you're, you're bringing that, you're connecting kids with that at a young age. I think it's really awesome. And I feel like it has a lot of positive outcomes um, in terms of early childhood development and, and future development. And also shows people that there's a, a lot of options out there in terms of what you can do with your life. You can be an artist. That's a real awesome thing that you can do with your life. So that's, that's so cool. Um, can you tell us about some other ways that Mendocino Dance Project is uh, innovating and um, some plans for the future and ideas that you have for uh, Mendocino Dance Project programming? Yeah, um, let's see. Um, other ways that we've adapted, I mean, during the pandemic, we've been, we've been pretty dormant. <laughs> um, you know, most of our all of our planned performances, obviously, for the summer, last summer, were canceled. Um, and events that we were going to participate in were all canceled. So we've been laying pretty low. Um, one thing I did on my own was take a film class um, by this amazing woman, Jenny Stolberg. And she's a film, she's a dancer. She's a great dancer. She's an amazing film editor um and she taught a class and i it was the first class i've taken since really the pandemic and just decided that it was if you know we're going to be doing more video projects and even whether it's for teaching or our own art um that i wanted to explore learning a little bit more about film so um we, one dancer, Natalie Thiel, and I have been working throughout the time COVID on a film. Um, we actually put kind of our first draft in the Mendocino Theater Company's long intermission show. So if anyone saw that, um, our, the short dance film that was in that was from us. Um, and we're working on kind of a, a more of a final edit Um right now and we're hoping to release that in the spring um for people to see and um maybe submit it to some dance festivals um short dance film festivals so that's one way we've kind of adapted um learning which the film that we actually worked on was all we filmed all ourselves just the two of us so all the dancing is just us all the filming was just us and all the editing um was just us or is just us. Um, the one thing we're trying to get is um, someone to write music for the film. So if there's anyone out there that's interested, then please contact me. <laughs> um, so that's one way we're adapting. And then we're also just kind of spending time building material in the trees. We feel like that's been a safe way to get together. It's been outdoors, um, you know, we're wearing masks often and not very close to each other and kind of in our own trees. So we've been just focused on building material so that when the time, you know, when we feel like the, the time is ready for us to, have an event where we can gather lots of people together, then, um, then we'll be ready with a bunch of new material to show everyone. Um, one other way we have adapted during this time is kind of on and off. We were getting together for rehearsals outdoors and just choosing different sites around 
the coast and um, using those as our dance environment. Um, one of the coolest ones we did was um, at Jug Handle, um, the trees, if you walk back right when you get there in the parking lot and you walk back into the forest on the top before you go down to the beach there, there's just the most incredible um, trees that are, you know, all woven together and they're spiraling and twirling. And um, so we've done rehearsals and, you know, interesting sites like that where maybe some of your movement that you're creating is inspired by your environment or maybe it's interactive with the environment. Um, and that's just been a fun way to get together outside and um, make something. <laughs> I think it's amazing that you're using this time to not only plan and adapt, but also adapt in terms of like how you're dancing and what time, type of performances. And it seems like a, a bit of a silver lining that you've now, I mean, you were, had done the dance in the Redwoods before, but now you're moving more towards that and exploring dancing outdoors and incorporating, you know, the gorgeous nature that we have here into your performances, which is really exciting and very unique. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, you know, we've kind of always said that we're this, you know, it's part, part of our mission has been that we're, a rural based dance company. And, um, you know, I've, I've looked, I've, I've spent a long time on Google looking for lots of rural dance companies and I'm sure there's many, but it's, that's been hard to find them. And, um, so many of our, you know, dance companies are based in big cities. And, um, so it's it's something that makes it us unique, I'd say, in that we've all chose you know chosen to live in this beautiful place. We love Mendocino County. Some of the members have grown up here and have lived here their entire life, or, or you know have gone and come back, um, and be able to. I'll really appreciate art making. And when things do kind of um, settle down, what, how can people find out about your film or about future performances or potentially even take a class with the Mendocino Dance Project? Yeah, let's see. Well, you can always go to our website, mendocinodanceproject.com. And um, it's not always the best at being completely up to date. I'll be fully honest, but um but we do have a mailing list and you can sign up for our mailing list on our website. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook and um, we're hoping that this spring we're working on putting together kind of a, a workshop series, um, hopefully starting in April and May that, you know, will be, um, vertical dance in the, in the redwoods and maybe also some site, you know, a site specific dance workshop. Um, so we're hoping to do that. We're also looking for some outdoor venues for performances for the summer, um, along the coast at least. Um, and did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited. I can't wait to see one of the outdoor performances. So I'll definitely be definitely be keeping up to date on that. 
Thank you so much for joining us today, Kara. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And uh, if you want to see what the Mendocino Dance Project is doing, you can also follow them um, on Instagram at Mendocino Dance Project. And thank you again to Kara Starkweather of the Mendocino Dance Project and Doug Nunn of Hit and Run Theater for being on the show with us today. Um, and thank you to our guests for joining us. It's been wonderful to learn about the work you're doing in the performing arts here in Mendocino County. The art brings so much life and vibrancy to our region, and we're grateful to have everyone on the show. And in regards to some relief that is happening for small businesses, the state of California is currently offering grants up to 25K for profit and nonprofit small businesses. Uh, the application deadline is January 15th at midnight. And you can find out more info at careliefgrant.com. That's C-A-R-E-L-I-E-F-G-R-A-N-T.com. And you can join us on February 4th at 3 p.m. for our next show, which will be focusing on women entrepreneurs in Mendocino County. We'll be speaking with Kristen from Folklore and Holly from Word of Mouth Magazine. And if you want to hear our show from today, please check out kzyx.org and go to the jukebox page. You can also find K KZYX on Spotify under KZYX Public Affairs. Yeah, and those state grant opportunities are really unique because you can use them to cover essential expenses like payroll, utilities, rent, um, expenses that so many small businesses have really had trouble covering through these rough times. So I definitely recommend um, taking a look at the state of California's website. Um, so this is the first round of funding. There's also going to be a second round of funding. So keep an eye out on uh, careliefgrant.com for info on that. So we're so excited for, uh, we had a wonderful year, wonderful 2020. It was rough in a lot of ways, but we loved putting on this show. We loved putting on Putting Down Roots. And we look forward to hosting, um, uh, hosting more shows in the future on community health, climate change, environmental protection, local restaurant tours, local government, and the arts. We're always looking for uh, unique topics that we can focus on for this show. We want to make sure that we're really highlighting all the incredible work that's being done in our county. Um, we've had about seven or eight shows now, and we're, we're excited for um, a long future of more shows. If you have an idea for a topic that you'd like us to feature, um, or if you'd like to be a guest, a guest on our show, please feel free to send us uh, a, a message on our Instagram account. So our Instagram handle is puttingdownroots.kzyx. That's puttingdownroots at kzyx. You can also send me an email at phoenix, P-H-O-E-N-I-X, at evolved, E-V-O-L-V-E-D, growth, G-R-O-W-T-H, strategies, S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-E-S.com, phoenix at evolvedgrowthstrategies.com, and we'd love to talk about a future show. We're always looking to brainstorm and come up with creative, unique things that we can highlight here in our county, and we know there's there's so much that we can talk about. Yeah, we've been really impressed by all the people we've, we've met so far and all the amazing things that are happening in Mendocino County, and 
some topics have coming up that we weren't even initially thinking about, but that the show has kind of naturally evolved. So we would definitely love to hear from people who have been listening or have ideas for the show or would even like to be on the show because we want it to be a show about the community for the community. And so we would love to hear your suggestions. And again, if you want to hear any past episodes, you can go to KZYX Public Affairs on Spotify and find all of our previous episodes. And we're also working on designing new t-shirts, putting down Roots t-shirts. I'm actually working with my sister Mirabai, put together a really fun, uh, unique graphic. Uh, we want to do like the 1970s, putting down, uh, excuse me, 1970s, back to the land movement style t-shirt. And we'll have lots of info on that uh, on our Instagram. So keep an eye out for that. And really, um, if you want to re-listen to any of the shows, a really convenient way to do that is just go on to Spotify, search KZYX, Public Affairs, and you're going to see Putting Down Roots there. I think the last three shows are up on there. If you want to hear all the shows that we did in, in 2020, you can go to KZYX.org, go to the Jukebox page, and all the previous episodes are on there. I also recommend listening to all the wonderful um, offerings and, and shows that KZYX offers. Uh, Jukebox is a great place where you can um, you can spend hours and hours listening to really fascinating programming. Um, one of my favorite programs is actually Democracy Now! by Amy Goodman. I've listened to it a few times on the Jukebox page, and it's always really fascinating. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in today and wish you a happy new year, and we'll look forward to speaking or speaking with our guests in February. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful, wonderful new year. We're hoping for a nice, positive, uh, forward-moving new year with lots of prosperity and, and good things. So we're, we're moving forward here. Thank you, everyone. Uh, solidarity to everyone, and um, have a wonderful new year. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Woolets and Ukiah, 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening. Watching the sunset